Hello, and welcome to Big Sound Small Town. I'm your host, Sandy Carlton. The small towns and communities of Cleveland County, North Carolina have long been a hotbed of music in all its many forms. Several Cleveland County musicians have found commercial success and critical acclaim in the music industry. Yeah, everybody knows the Earl Scruggs, Don Gibson, Patty Loveless, and Alicia Bridges are from Cleveland County. Donald Bird, too. So this is not a podcast about them. This is a podcast about the musicians who are still here to keep music alive here. This is the stories, and you need to know them and know the people who are making the music. This is not, this is not your normal podcast.
You just heard my guest, David Parker, do his rendition of Auld Lang Syne. And it's fitting as this is going out on New Year's Eve. Uh, and this will be the end of the first season of Big Sound Small Town. Uh, David has an interesting story. Please listen up and Happy New Year. Today on Big Sound Small Town, we're in Hound's Coffee Shop on East Marion Street in Shelby, North Carolina, and I'm with guitarist David Parker, and we're going to talk about his musical journey. All right. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really am flattered and honored, and I appreciate it. All right. Well, all right. Where did music start for you? So I thought about this in preparation for coming here. Um, my earliest memories are pretty vivid. That I was born in 1966. I grew up in Atlanta in the 70s. Uh, my mom and dad had eight-track stereo. Yeah, just the worst. Mm -hmm. And um, and that was back in the day when you didn't. They had maybe ten tapes. Yeah. That's you know we didn't. They weren't huge collectors. Right. But I can prob I can remember almost all of those tapes. And when I look back, they really were formative. There was a, a sort of a freewheeling Bob Dylan. Yeah. Had Sergeant Peppers. Yeah. And the Sergeant Peppers with the old eight tracks had did the four tracks, and they actually had to change the order of the songs. Oh, really? So it was years before I knew that A Day in the Life was the last song. <laughs> they had okay. they had flipped it so Sergeant Pepper and Sergeant Pepper were the bookends. Oh yeah. And then there was a John Lee Hooker tape. And then I think my mom had a Judy Collins tape. And then there was one of Renaissance Christmas music, huh. Renaissance vocal Christmas music. And all of those have come in to play it's at some point or another. I, I certainly, you know, I could, could sing you everything from Sgt. Pepper and I could talk you everything from Bob Dylan. Um, and even the, the Renaissance Christmas tape, I went on to get a, a PhD in Renaissance and medieval okay. literature. And part of it was just the, the sort of otherworldly strangeness and hauntingness of that tape, I think, right. always was a feeling I was chasing. Well, that's a pretty diverse, uh, small selection, but it's very diverse. Yeah, if you're right? only going to have six or eight, those are, that's well, a pretty widespread six or eight. Yeah, it is. And those are, um, I mean, that's kind of the history of modern music sitting right there in front of you. And then to tie it all in with the Christmas that's right. Christmas just is uh, pretty amazing. So, so did you learn those? I mean, did, you weren't playing guitar; you were just listening. Then, right? No, I was just a listener, and I mean that's pretty early. I was in choirs from pretty early on, and okay. I did that all the way through college. So, I've always appreciated classical, especially choral right. music. Um, in terms of playing an instrument, I think I played saxophone maybe in third or fourth grade. Right. Uh, but my stringed instrument journey, I was probably nine or ten, and we were at the mall, yeah. and there was a bluegrass band playing. Yeah. And afterwards, I came up to the mandolin player, and I said, your guitar sure is little. <laughs> and he said, well, it's not a guitar, it's a mandolin. And I got kind of interested in it, so I went to the Sears catalog, which yeah. was before you had the internet, you could right. look at all the gear in the world, and ordered for Christmas that year this little A-shaped uh, F-hole mandolin from Sears and Roebuck. 
And that's when I started my first lessons. And that was your first instrument then, was a mandolin. It really was. And it's funny, I mean, I, I didn't get it with the intention of playing bluegrass. Well, you know, I talk about a diverse instrument is a mandolin. I mean, it plays everything from uh, Italian standards to yeah. jazz to bluegrass. Yeah, I always like the, the jazz, uh, the mandolin, the people who play with Django and Stefan yeah. Grappelli. Um, but yeah, there's that there's the Vivaldi mandolin yeah. concerto. So, um, and it was a it was good to learn with a small fingerboard mm -hmm. and, and the fact that all the strings are in fifths. So right. it, it makes a lot of sense learning the fretboard. Um, I did that for a few years, and then I moved on to guitar because I realized that's really what I wanted to do was play play the guitar. Um, and the same thing, the the kid across the street, Greg Stevenson. Uh, no, Rex. Greg Greg was the one who beat me up. Rex was the older <laughs> brother. <laughs> and Rex was a really good guitar player. And he said, if you want to learn guitar, you should start with an electric because it's easier on it your is, fingers. Yeah. And I had a time convincing my mom and dad of that, but we, but I did. And we went down to Service Merchandise, yeah. uh, which was, they call it a catalog showroom. I don't, oh, yeah. I don't think there's an equivalent now, but oh, um, it got some guitar shaped object uh, from them it was kind of a, it was a Les Paul knockoff but right. honestly it was just that was back when Asian instruments weren't good right. and you couldn't get it get a decent right. one but I but I started with it and learned on it I and, guess you had an amp that went with it too. yeah like a little a silver tone amp would have looked yeah. like a masterpiece compared to this thing it was just cardboard and gotcha. and particle board um, but yeah, that was it. And there was a little local music store. Uh, I took lessons from a guy named Jody, uh, who's probably probably gone now. I mean, he must have been in his 30s, but I just thought he was the coolest. He had a big yeah. David Crosby mustache oh, yeah. and uh, long hair. And his big thing was his band opened for Jethro Tull when they came to Atlanta. Well, that's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty, that was yeah. one of my favorites. And so I thought, well, I'm, I'm studying with royalty here. Yeah, I mean, this is in Atlanta at the time. In Atlanta, in Tucker, which is kind of right yeah. at the 85 and 285 yeah. junction. Right. Back when that really was a suburb and not, yeah. not so much part of the yeah. city like it is now. Yeah, that's... Cool. So what did you start learning from this guy? So he was... Um, I think the way a lot of people taught back then, and honestly the way a lot of people teach on YouTube, uh, I would come in and he'd say, what, what do you want to play? Yeah. You know, what's a song on the radio? Double Vision by Foreigner. Yeah. Or, you know, Dust in the Wind. And right. we, it was all tab. We didn't do yeah. music. I, I, I tried to do some of that later. I did some classical. But it was tab, but it was really good because we would cover things from, you know, like Dust in the Wind's Fingerstyle, uh, Double Stops, you know, by yeah. playing Foreigner or right. Boston or something yeah. like that. And um, he, he was a good teacher. He managed to work in technique and, you know, sort of the basic vocabulary of techniques right. by just sort of doing the popular stuff that I wanted to learn. Well, you know, too, it's like it makes, when you have a teacher, it makes the tab come to life. I mean, you can only, you can read where to put your fingers, but then that's not really the whole story of tab. And that's no. why a teacher makes it it just eases the the learning process well and it's funny there's so much tab available now but so much of it is really wrong oh um, you can go oh, you yeah, can download four different tabs for a song yeah. and they're all different and not one of them is right you know i think uh i came from the drop the needle on the record mm -hmm. that's what i did most of the time and then then you know now today you can find 
anything on YouTube. Well, and it's it's nice because with with drop the yeah drop the needles the best ear training it's you can good get. I mean that's what you that's what you need. But I would I would get something that way. And then when videos came along, music videos, and then you know eventually YouTube, I'd see it say, oh man, he's playing that in the seventh position, oh, not yeah, the I, first position. You know, I was playing the same notes yeah. on the wrong strings. Yeah, that's that's. That, and that's one of the fallacies of picking it off the record. Yeah, and, that, and that's something that Tab does that sheet music doesn't always do. Is you, Tab at least gives you which, you know what position you're in. And, and in a lot of instances, uh, when you're figuring it out on your own, um, you don't realize there's capos involved sometimes. Yeah, or, or, or down tuning. Or down tuning, yeah. Alternate yeah. tunings of a lot of yeah. varieties. Yeah, Jimi Hendrix killed me for years until I found out he was an E-flat. Yeah, <laughs> so. well... Well, you go. Uh, early Rolling Stones invaded mm. me because of the open the G tunes. tuning. Yeah, yeah and and, uh, and I discovered it on my own. I just finally figured it out that, that something wasn't right. And then, almost instant, I figured it out. Uh, somebody said, I could have saved you a lot of time and told you about that. You know, yeah, but he was but a blues it, guy. But you would have learned it. Differently, I, I one of the things that, that I've you know you read about all the time now is the caged system, C A G E D, where you play out of C shape and right. A shape, etc. And I kind of, over the years I kind of painfully had figured that out. Yeah, it's like if I play this out of the C shape, but on the fifth fret, it's going to be such and such a chord, right. and that's how I managed to get up and down the fretboard. And if if someone had sat me down early on and said, "I want you to learn this cage system," I bet I wouldn't have done it. Yeah, probably wouldn't. I mean, it wasn't hard earned the way that it was the way I true. did it. And I and I spent a lot of times. I had I started out early as a piano player, but um, I spent a whole lot of my life with um, every scale that you could ever. Mm -hmm. Every scale that you don't even need to know ever. Locrian. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which which would wind up in nothing I ever did on purpose maybe by accident yeah. but not on purpose right so. well and and I and we had a piano that, that's another thing we had a piano in the house and I never took piano lessons I did in high school do some music theory but having a keyboard to put out the notes and especially the difference between the naturals and the sharps right. and the flats because you got white and black keys it re understanding the piano keyboard really has helped me you know, to change keys, to move stuff around, to know what's an accidental and what's, you know, yeah. in the scale already. Um, but yeah, the scales, you know, C is Ionian, D uh, is Dorian, yeah. E yeah. is what, Phrygian? Mm -hmm. Yeah, all that stuff. It's, and it's, you know, it's one of those things. I do think piano is a good music theory mm -hmm. learning instrument. I, I, I it's do. all laid out there. It is, and, and it seems to make sense later on maybe not at the time but mm -hmm. when you move to a different instrument and get older it does seem to actually pay down yeah. dividends well if you were if you were all say six string guitar all the time you've got the strings tuned in fourth it's if you've got right. the one that's up in the major third so there's not necessarily anything that's going to transfer very well to another right. instrument but piano like you know I saw a guy on TV teaching piano. He said, piano, in some ways, is the easiest instrument. All you do is push a button. Well, you know, your guitar, you got to have your left hand down, and you got to pick, and you got to do this. Now, you're asked to play a lot more notes on a piano, but, yeah. but yeah, you just push the key, and the sound comes out. I think as being a band leader, and, of course, the bigger the band, I think the more piano comes and teaches you harmonies and... Mm -hmm. and, and 
intervals and the way they all fit together to make a large sound as opposed to the individual notes that generally make up a lot of the guitar mm -hmm. stuff, you know. No, that's true. No, and I, I think that I still visualize, if I say I've got to play something a major third up from here, a lot of times I'll visualize it on a piano keyboard yeah. first, okay. especially if I'm in between strings, you know, right. two, three, and four, and it's a little bit wonky. Yeah. So, so at this point, are you, are you, you playing these songs by yourself, going home and playing Yeah, I, I really, I was, I, I still am not, and I never was a really good band person. And I'm not sure, you know, I'm probably just kind of an antisocial misanthrope. Well, um, but I, yeah, but I, I don't, I mean, some people, and when I've been in a band that's really doing, you know, hitting on all cylinders and everything, yeah. I mean, there's nothing like that. Well, and that's, that's the best. Good. Yeah. But I think I always, I had sort of, for a teenage boy, I had sort of esoteric tastes. So people yeah. didn't want to play what I wanted to play. Right. And what I'm really bad about as a personal failing is if I'm playing with someone who's better than I am, I get really frustrated with myself. I thought I'm letting them down, you know, I missed this note. And then if I'm playing with somebody who's who's a little bit more of a beginner, then I get real frustrated with them. Yeah. So playing solo, you got nobody to blame but you. True. So true. It's, I don't know. And I don't know what it is about my personality that, that makes me that way. So I was playing things by myself and of course playing the electric guitar that can be less satisfying and I so I kind of moved over to the acoustic probably from the age of like 13 to 20 okay. I didn't play anything but acoustic and I was trying to do a lot of finger style right I got interested in sort of new age like Wyndham Hill guitar yes, players yes. like William Ackerman mm -hmm. and Alex Grassy. Yeah. And uh, especially Michael Hedges yeah Michael, Michael Hedges, Hedges he's he was my idol for a long time I saw him when I was in college at Furman, I went down to Clemson and saw him, and I don't think it was too long before he died, so I'm really glad I got to see him. But that was, you know, to me, all right, there's a way to be a one-man band. It is. I mean, it, it is. So. And so I would come up with tunings and, and things like that, and they're all right. Um, and, I, and, and that was a way, yeah, I could play. I could be in my dorm room by myself right. and still have the full experience of playing. Well, did you, then at some point, did you decide... I, I've got myself to a level I want to share this with people that you start playing solo jobs yeah a little bit I didn't I didn't have paying gigs per se but I played you know at the college coffee house yeah uh, and stuff like that and then I I became <laughs> this was at Furman University which at that time was a Baptist school sure. so I was the go-to guy so when these these girls would say oh David I want to play an Amy Grant song at the right. coffee house so I probably knew all the Amy Grant songs uh, that you could know, and um, and then and that's when I would start to get little bands together and right. do, pull together like a little couple of blues songs or something. Uh, and I also played. There was a jazz band. Uh, I was a freshman and they were seniors, so it was pretty flattering. And there was this Greg Gardner, this great great piano player. Um, so he pulled together this band and uh, had a drummer and a bass player and the piano player. And so I was going to play guitar. And uh, they said, "All right, we want you to do an audition." So. They, uh, I was listening to George Benson a lot yeah. at the time, so I had that album that had Breezin on it. The album right. might have been called Breezin or something been, like that. Yeah. And they said, well, just once you learn side one of this album, and of course I didn't learn the solos note for note, but I learned it and played it. Right. So, so we did that, and we even went into a recording studio at one point. We made this little 
cassette that you could buy at the campus bookstore that had photocopied cover on it and everything. So that was that was a good time. I enjoyed yeah. that. That's good. So then, where does music go? So I finished college, uh, finished Furman, and that's about where I was, was sort of playing with this band and playing some coffee houses. Uh, and I moved to Chapel Hill for graduate school. And Chapel Hill was a great place to be. So this is about 88 to, to 96. Great place to be for a musician then. Um, Super Chunk was there. All the, the Merge Records people were there. Um, I played, so I didn't play that. So I was, I was back on electric. I, I bought a Stratocaster from a, a used Stratocaster from a guy, a little music shop there. And there was one health food restaurant called Pie Wacket, and they would have a blues jam, and I'd go play there. Uh, and then I became friends with actually the husband of one of my graduate school colleagues, Ken Mosher, um, and he's from St. Louis. Uh, and he and I started playing, and he wrote these great the songs he was in the sort of psychedelia this was when XTC yeah. was big and they recorded that album the Dukes of Stratosphere as their kind of alter ego psychedelic man so we were playing stuff like that and uh, we played at the Duke Coffee House and we played a couple little places uh, and then he went on to start uh, be one of the founding people to start the uh, Squirrel Nut Zippers yeah but I never played with him I wish I had but um, I knew that's where you were going all the, yeah all those people because um like Catherine was my waitress at the Mexican restaurant and Jimbo Mathis was, yep. he lived down the street and we talked about his undergraduate classes and that was just an interesting bunch of people. But yeah, I mean, the bands, there was Johnny Quest, there was Sex Police, there was Super Chunk. I mean, it was a, and Catch Cradle is just one of my favorite venues and I saw everybody from Buddy Guy to Horton Heat to Ben Folds was living right around there. So I saw him all the time. So that so and again I wasn't really a band player so much but I was in that world wow. and I would jam with people and and just got as much out of music almost as I would if I had been playing that a lot. So all right we're there what's the next what happens next? All right so what happens next? So I'm there you know for for a million years. Yeah. Uh graduate in 96. I got a job at Auburn teaching and I was just there for a year, and I almost didn't play very much that year. I mean, I did at home, but I was I was working hard. Then I got a job at Gardner-Webb, starting fall of 97, um, came back up. And yeah, this was a period where I'm not playing so much. Right. I'm not playing a lot. Uh, first year at Gardner-Webb, I lived in Greenville, South Carolina, and I was the manager of the Greenville Corral. Mm -hmm. It was my old director from Furman, Bing Vic. And, so I was, you know, into the choral and the orchestral, and we did Mahler's second, all these great, big, yeah, that's great, great yeah. big, loud oh, yeah. pieces. Um, eventually started dating the lady who is now my wife. Um, and it's funny to tell it, she says that when we started dating, she didn't even know I played the guitar. Oh, really? Because I don't know. I guess I had one out somewhere in the house, but I don't, I'm not, maybe I didn't. Maybe it was under a bed. Um, but I think the thing that really, I, one of my friends uh, and colleagues, Chris Davis, you may actually know Chris. I know Chris very well, um, yes. Yeah, I would, I, I would guess you would. Um, I can't remember. We were sitting around somewhere and somebody had a guitar, my friend Matt Theato maybe. I know and Matt I was, also. oh, Matt, Matt is great. Chris and Matt are good men. Yep. Um, but anyway, Chris said, man, you ought to get back on that thing. You're good. And I said, well, you know, I'm busy. He said, you know, he kind of goaded me into it. Uh, so I kind of picked up and started playing. And what 
really turned things around for me and, and has changed everything is um, looping. Yeah. Now, well, that's where I was, that's part of what, looping is a whole different deal. It's I mean, a whole, that is your band and that is, uh, there's so much creativity there and that is the real part of the interest here. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's, it's just, it's just remarkable. So for, you know, as you probably all know, um, a loop pedal is just a phrase recorder. Mm -hmm. You just, it's a digital recorder that sits at your feet. You run your guitar through it. You hit it once and it starts recording and you hit it again and it just plays it back over and over. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of permutations and you can record second loops or you can overdub on your loop. But the basic premise is you can be a duo by yourself. You can. And so for me, as someone who, you know, and at this point, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm married, I've got a, a day job, um, and I'm not a late night person. I mean, I, I still, my favorite gigs end at nine o'clock. Right, and, oh. um, at my age, mine do too. Yeah, right. So this was, you know, suddenly this is an opportunity to, um, to go out and perform. I, you know, as a finger stylist, I was okay, but I was always better with a pick, and I'm always right. better at single note lines and yeah. double stops and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I started playing over at the um, coffee shop that mm -hmm. used to be Broad River in Boiling right. Springs. They'd have open mic nights, mm -hmm. uh, and I'd play with a, a loop pedal, and I got fancier with a loop pedal, and I got the big one with bells and whistles, and right. play things backwards and forwards. <coughs> and so I really enjoyed that, and I still occasionally would play with people, but a lot of the fun for me was I could sit around at home and say, right. hey, what if we did, what if, what if we... Yeah. What if yeah. <laughs> my both my personalities? Right. You know, what if I wanted to do tequila by the champs? Right. You know, and I can just set up a bump, 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 right. and then play just solo over that all I wanted. And uh, so I've, I've did that for a while, and then the next thing to come along is the um, Digitech Trio, mm -hmm. which is a pedal, and I don't know of a competitor to this yet, and I'm actually kind of worried because they don't seem to be offering a lot of software updates yeah, for it. Yeah, I kinda, yeah. I kinda, I'm kind of hoping somebody will, will make something similar, but it's got, it's still a pedal, but it's got software in it, which is a band in a box software, which you can also get for your computer. Right. And essentially, you play into it. You know, I play so just with my guitar, play something that's got some rhythm and some chords to it, and it will generate a bass and a drum. Oh, yeah. And that becomes your loop. And it's got, you can choose, do you want it to be jazz or blues or right. rock or hip hop? And from there, you can play in your own trio. And I would guess that would get you a lot of jobs working. It's great. I mean, it's, you know, that's the thing is I, I don't sing. Um, I, I, I never have, I mean, I've sung in choirs, but I've never wanted to sing right. solo. So, as one guy, I can come in there with a really small PA, with you know, sort of a one-speaker Bose PA, and play great sort of jazzy, bluesy background music for coffee houses, wedding receptions, cocktail parties. Yeah. Um, and it's what I like to do. I don't want everybody staring at me waiting for the next note. I'm, I'm too self-conscious for that. So I like being the guy in the corner. Well, it makes you very affordable, too. It makes me affordable, and it makes it so even though I'm affordable, I don't have to split it with anybody. Sure. I agree. And I certainly don't, don't make much money, but I almost make enough to pay for my guitars and my strings. And, my, and that's if I can be sustainable. Well, let me ask you about the latest guitar I happen to see on Instagram that you oh, have. Okay. We're good. We're good for it. Yeah. Yeah.
Okay, we're here still with David Parker, and he's getting ready to tell me about a Stratocaster that he just purchased that um, I've seen a picture of it, and I'm right envious, and I want to know about it. <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad you're envious and not repulsed. Um, so this is, so this is going to be a longer story than it needs to be, but Strat has always been kind of my ideal tone that I've been chasing, and it goes back to, I'm sure, the 70s and Mark Knopfler, mm-hmm. um, and it's that old position two and position four right. on the Stratocaster. Mm-hmm. And I, I've had Strat, I had a Tokai Strat, I've had a, a couple of Fender Strats, and one of the things that you learn is that sound is great in your bedroom. It is sometimes hard to get that sound to cut through a mix or to sound good with, with, a, with a, an audience. Uh, but nevertheless, I've had them on and off, but I hadn't had one for a long time. I kind of, I've got a guitar by Creston Lee, which is kind of a telly-shaped guitar, and kind of drank the Telecaster Kool-Aid for a while. Right. And um, about a year and a half ago, I bought a Gibson 335. This is a beautiful guitar. I never thought I'd have one. It's normally a $3,000, $3,500 guitar. And Chicago Music Exchange uh, in the great Gibson Wars of last year with closing factories and switching CEOs and everything um, had a blowout sale on all the Memphis-made guitars, which are the hollow bodies and semi-hollows. And I got this guitar for well under half of what it would normally sell for. And it was just beautiful, and I thought, oh, this is an opportunity. I'm never going to have this again. So I bought the guitar. I'm real bad about buying guitars that are pretty without thinking about what they're going to sound like. And uh, yeah, everybody has. And um, it's like dating. Somebody, you ask somebody out because how they look. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it doesn't work out. And um, the thing, the Gibson, it, it played pretty well. It's a shorter scale neck, which is a little bit different. But the main thing is the pickups, the humbucker pickups. I cannot make them sound like I wanted to and I would get close and I would fiddle um, but I don't I play clean I don't have much overdrive or distortion on my sound and it was hard for me to not feel like it had a blanket over the amp when I played humbucker pickups and I've always played single coil which is the basically the other kind of pickup and so finally uh, about a month ago I just I could take it I packed it up um, I, I was was looking online at some strats. I said, it's time for me to have a strat in my life again. So I, I packed up the guitar, went to the guitar center, heaven help me, um, in, which one did I go to? The one in Asheville. And they had the guitars that I wanted to look at. So I, I swapped this guitar for a new strat. So this strat, it's, an Amer- it's the new American professional Stratocaster. It has got, it does have a humbucker in the bridge position, but I, I don't really go to that position much anyway. Um, has a new set of pickups. They mix their magnets in them. They've got some Alnico 2 and some Alnico 5 and, and all kinds of stuff. But the two the things that you notice about this one, uh, number one, it is rose gold, which means it's kind of a sparkly pink. Um, I'm very secure in my masculinity. Uh, I kind of always have wanted a pink guitar, and they mostly, with Fenders, you mostly see shell pink, which is kind of a, a pretty, pretty flat color. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one's really, really pretty and sparkly. Um, but my very favorite thing about this guitar, besides the pickups and the sound, 
is it has a rosewood neck and it is not just a rosewood fingerboard but the neck the headstock the fingerboard are just one piece and that was the part that drew my eye to it, it when i, I saw tell it. you what with a, with a guitar for me for the sound it's it's mostly about pickups right you know people talk about the different body woods yeah. and stuff i can't tell the difference but the pickups and then for for the playability part it's the neck and uh, I would always go in and rough up the back of my necks with sandpaper, take a little bit of the glossy off. This is just finished with oil. And so your hand moves, it's like a baseball bat. Your hand moves up and down it. They have changed the profile of the neck. It's a little bit, uh, a little bit bigger at the low frets, at frets one, two, three, and four and five. Uh, which I like. I always liked a big neck, but it thins out, which is kind of counterintuitive. It thins out a little bit higher up, so okay. it's easier for you to make bends and sort of reach across the neck. Uh, so it just plays great, and it's gorgeous. So uh, this is my this is my my new one and only until it talked to me in a couple months. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm gonna have to get out and see it in here. Because, yeah, uh, it's. Um, and what's funny is that one piece rosewood neck is actually pretty bright. You, you know, usually you think of a rosewood fingerboard as being darker, yeah, um, but there's something about having it all one, you know, there's no glue, there's no joints, so I, I kind of feel like it's it's a little bit brighter. But What kind of amp are you playing this thing? I, I don't have any amps. I am, um, I am tubeless at this stage. I don't think I've even got something with a single tube. I have an Ethos Clean Tube preamp. Okay. So it, it's it's a box that acts like an amp, and right. it has a cabinet simulator built in. Mm -hmm. So I just run into that, and from that I run into um, a Wampler yeah. uh, reverb delay unit mm -hmm. into the PA, and and I love amps, and I like tube amps. Um, since my trio pedal has bass and drums, I have to have that go through a PA anyway. Right, gotcha. And so what would happen if I wanted to play an amp, I'd have to bring the amp and the PA along. True. Um, so this is a, I can take everything from the car in one trip. That's excellent. That, yeah. That is just an yeah, excellent I, I am, setup. I am mobile. And sit and sits really well with, with what you're doing. I would, right. I, I don't need much space. You can, I've been put on a staircase landing yeah. a couple of times. I've been put on a balcony overlooking a store. I mean, you can, I'm not a small guy, but I got a small setup so you can. Well, that, that also, again, makes you affordable. I'm affordable. You can con contact me and I'll give you my rates. You, don't, you do not have to have a lot of space to have him. And what's been nice too, that the, you know, it's, it's more a convenience thing, but it's helped me is I'm a good last minute substitute. I get calls from, for instance, the Don Gibson, or I'll get a call from Dragonfly and they'll say, Hey, our, our guy dropped out. Can you play tonight? I might just have an hour or two notice, but I don't have to organize anybody else. If, I, if I'm available, I can grab and go. And yeah, I can be like there. You and, have to haul a lot of No, I can be there and set up in half an hour usually. That is a really good deal. And that is, um, there's a whole niche there for that. Yeah. I um, mean, it's, you know, and I know that a lot of what you're talking about is how do you, how do you gig in a small town and, and stuff like that. I can, between here and Gastonia, you know, I probably play two or three times a month and that's yeah. about what I want to play. Yeah. And, and the thing is that just, Again, we're to the point where the styles, the, the types of music, the 
the individual musicians in Cleveland County are a div very diverse group in mm -hmm. their abilities and what you can hear. Yeah, listen, I'm, it, it's great. And it, you know, the sad thing about me being an old guy who plays some gigs is it's hard for me to get out and see anybody else. Yeah. Um, and I'll exchange emails and Facebook messages with other musicians like, hey, can you come see me? Well, no, I'm playing. Yeah. Um, but I tell you, um, so, you know, you guys, Cleveco, you're great. I've seen you at Dragonfly. I've seen you at um, Newgrass, which is, yeah. a, which is a fun venue. Yeah. Um, there's so many good ones, but um, Derek McCoy. Oh, Derek McCoy, done, that guy. Derek, Derek a, has done the podcast. Oh, good. I want to listen to that. Derek has a great story. He um, is a professional from top to bottom. I mean, he he's done the training. He, he can, and he can just wail he's on a fine fusion. Player, and he has a, he has a really good story because um, well, I don't want to give it away yeah, too no, much. But, he, did but, he but go down and train in Atlanta. He did. Yeah. But if you listen to him, that he says that he is everything that hard work as a musician. Can make you. I, tell, I mean, as he, opposed, he, he will modestly he will say that basically he did not have all that much talent. Yeah, he just but he was determined and worked hard. Well, I went and sat down for a lesson with him. I went and paid cash money yeah, because would. he's that good. Yeah, and, he is. Um, I mean, the guy, you know, he can rip off these fusion chops, but yeah. then you go listen to him play solo chord me melody. Yeah. At Nee Finn, yeah. where he's without a net. Not only that, I've seen him play uh, Telecaster country music oh, with yeah. Pistol Hill. Yeah, and, he can and, he can cluck and you know and he can. I mean, he's he's a versatile guy, and he's. But you sit down with him, he'll say, "All right, now you want, you're going to want to play a Mixolydian scale over that." Right. He's got the theory from. Top oh, he to does. But then, like he told me, his advice to young musicians: learn to read music when you look young, because it's you hard don't when, you get when you're old. old. Yeah. So I mean. You know, so oh, yeah. but he says he claims that he is a a musician who got there with hard work. Well, I, I believe it, but he's not. He's not yeah, going to convince no, me he doesn't have talent. No, the boy has a lot of talent. A lot but, of and, and one just to give him one more shout out. I really have enjoyed um, Mariah Van Cleef. Yeah. Um, and she just she does her own thing, and it's it's she creates such a mood and an atmosphere. And I don't get to see her that much because she's playing out of town and stuff a lot. But we we've had a really nice uh, Facebook friendship, and you know exchange. You know where'd you get that backing track, or have you tried to cover this? And you know have it. It's it's like you know there's a musicians community even when I don't get out of the house just through social media. There is you know meeting you and yeah. things like that. Um, there's a, there's a we, we kind of we kind of look out for each other a little well, bit. Well, it's a, it's a town, I would say this is really as good a small music community as you yeah. can live in. I mean, you've got a mayor who yeah. has a ukulele orchestra. Well, he goes to, to church with me and he's playing a 335 in the praise yeah. band every week. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean how, how different is that? Well, yeah. and, the, and, and Shelby, you know, has made a, a, an intentional push you know with with uh, you know the art of sound right. with getting people busking in right. town i mean this is yeah this is a community that not only sort of informally but officially has support you know uh, helping to back the don gibson theater right. which is one of the great little venues in this part of the world the earl scruggs museum yeah, gosh, I, mean, yeah. I mean this is a town that has honored its heritage it has. in a way that not every town does i guess 
They even, uh, you can even see some amazing musicians' graves in this town. Oh gosh, yeah, <laughs> go up to the, go out behind the Episcopal Church. Yeah. Who do you got? You got Don Gibson, Don who Gibson. else? You, you have actually, there is a, um, uh, an R&B singer here named Bobby London, who was one of the early uh, R&B singers from yeah. here. Fabulous singer, and he has a monument out there. Oh, I'm so there's a um, ton of music history here that yeah. uh, I'm hoping that we can bring to the forefront a little bit for yeah, people who miss it. You're doing the good work of it. Yeah. All right, well, David, I appreciate you coming out and doing this show. Thanks so much. It's been fun. And um, I'm sure that uh, you'll get all your friends to listen. Yeah, and if you, I'm, I'm on David Parker Guitar for Instagram, and um, I don't know, just David Parker on Facebook, and you're going to have to put up with family pictures and pictures of cocktails, uh, but it'll also let you know when I'm going to be where, and I'll put up a couple little video clips every once in a while. And hire the man. Yeah, you can do a good me. job I'm, for I'm you. Bar mitzvahs, weddings, funerals, there you go. divorces, whatever. Yeah, that works. Well, again, thank you. Thank you. Old Lang Syne. Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to men? Should old acquaintance be forgot and old Lang Syne? For old Lang Syne, my dear, for old Lang Syne, we'll tack a cup of kindness yet for old Lang Syne. We twa he run about the breeze and poon the gowns fine. We've wandered mony a weary foot, sing old Lang Syne. We twa he paddled i the burn from morning sun till dine. But seas between us braid he roared, sing old Lang Syne. And there's a hand, my trusty fair, and gies a hand o' thine. And we'll tack a right good willy wad for old Lang Syne. And surely you'll be your pint stoup, and surely I'll be mine. We'll take a cup of kindness yet for old Lang Syne. For old Lang Syne, my dear, for old Lang Syne, we'll tack a cup of kindness yet. For old Lang Syne. podcast, everyone who has been on this podcast, and everyone who has recorded this podcast for season two. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a great year. Happy New Year.